OMG, I am using a new skincare system that I absolutely love. People say puffiness and bags under the eyes are the hardest things to get rid of. Until now, introducing Genucel Plant Stem Cell Therapy from Chamonix, specifically targeting eye puffiness and bags. Due to new technology, Genucel is an incredibly powerful natural serum, and with its instant effects, it's guaranteed to show results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. That's right. Users saw results in only 12 hours with dramatic improvement in two weeks. A true Chamonix classic, Genucel contains eight extra ingredients to significantly reduce the appearance of bags and puffiness. Plus, Genucel uses patented plant stem cell technology to improve longevity and brilliant long-term results. You can try Genucel right now absolutely risk-free. Go to lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. Enter that special promo code Stephanie for an extra 10% off. Order now and get the legendary Genucel XV face cream absolutely free just for trying Genucel today. Chamonix, the best skincare, best results, or your money back. That's lovegenucel, G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Stephanie. Lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, almost fully vaccinated in D.C. today. My returning guest is friend and writer Amanda Sowards. I try to keep these intros short, so I do have a new tier on Patreon that allows listeners to listen ad-free and with a much shorter intro. Stick around to hear about that. The Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. It is patrons who keep the show going, and I want to say thank you to each and every one of you. So if you do enjoy today's show, please take a look at the About page. You'll see that most of the time I focus on politics, but I do interview actors about their craft because I used to be an actor. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. I do two free shows a week, usually on Mondays and Wednesdays. Today is an exception. They are followed up by What's Up, which is for patrons only, me just talking about whatever I feel like talking about. And then at least once a month, I do a show for patrons only with a guest. Again, you just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. You can also make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description of the show. I always include my email and you can use that on PayPal. You can uh, find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes app, the Apple Podcast Store. Become a subscriber because it's free. And while you're there, please leave the show a review and a rating. I would really appreciate it. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Amanda Sowards. Welcome, welcome back, Amanda. Thank you, Kimberly. Thanks for having me back. Well, okay, just so everybody knows, Amanda and I recorded like a two-hour show several weeks ago before I went to go visit my mom and stay with her. And we were going to use it as one of the evergreens. But basically, what wound up happening was I came back... So I, record, I had three shows. Actually, I had four shows, but if you really want to count it, I had five. But one of them was that guy who sent dick pics, and so I was like, fuck that guy. So I didn't, I'm not using that, that candidate, Democratic candidate guy. Anyway, so um, we had recorded this show, and then I came home on Monday, and I thought, well, maybe we'll just record a new show for Tuesday. And then you and I tried to do a show on Tuesday, and that went into the crapper. No. The so, and the machines were not having any of it. No. And I was so pissed. <laughs> but fortunately, it got figured out, and everything is good. So um, how have you been? Um, I think good, I guess. I mean, I'm still battling <laughs> California unemployment, but... Yeah. Other than that, you know, it's going well. So Well, that's good. Um, well, hopefully it'll get resolved. He promised me that they would get it sorted out. It's just taking a long time. And I'm yeah. still without funds, but that's okay. I'm, you know, I have coffee. I have cat food. 
Oh, no. God. <laughs> I'm good. We're all good. Um, but you started a writing site recently. I did, and I haven't yet posted anything. Um, I'm <laughs> kind of, I know, I'm like, well, you know, it's really hard. Like, my mind, I've been sitting down, my, I've been, I'm writing a novel, mm-hmm. backstory, writing a novel. I was eight chapters in, and it wasn't working, and I couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. And then suddenly I realized, because I didn't have a single voice, like I kept character hopping mm-hmm. from points of view, <clears throat> and it wasn't working. And finally, I'm laying in bed, and this is always how it happens. Mm-hmm. Like halfway, you know, in that state where you're kind of not quite awake and not quite asleep? Yeah. They call it, it there is actually a name for it. It's called hypnagogic, hmm. and it's basically sort of like you're, you're in a separate part of your brain that you rarely go. It's a conscious part of your brain, but it's um, but it's connected directly to your subconscious. Hmm. This wow. character comes forward, who's a private investigator, who's the one who ties it all together. Now, <laughs> mind you, I'm eight chapters into the novel. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so now I had to move everything down into the file cabinet and start all over. Wow. And and so it's been a chore because yeah. I can't think. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm fighting with the EDD. I have no income. My, you know, I'm like, I feel like I'm sort of in this paralyzed place in my life, but the writing is going well. <laughs> so, um, I've been, you know, it's, it's bizarre because, you know, you know, you remember like when you and I first met, I was blogging quite a bit. Yes. I had a blog called Catherine Chronicles and I was probably writing, like I was writing at least once a day, sometimes twice a day. And it was during the 2008 campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, uh, oh, yeah. very invested and really kind of really was afraid that John McCain would win. Yeah. And Sarah Palin, that awful, mm. awful creature. <laughs> and so I, um, I was blogging quite a bit and, and m- m- very prolific. And I was also at that time, I was getting my master's degree in, uh, as a, as in creative writing and, cre- I mean, in fiction writing and creative nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And very prolific and then something happened in my head where i just you know like as soon as the election was over i i mean like i died a little inside yeah and to this day i'm still battling that that hmm. i miss those prolific days where i just kind right. of let myself write yeah and i'm very i'm a much more self-conscious writer hmm. and i'm really trying to get back to uh that sort of free, unfettered, mm-hmm. in a way, and I'm not blaming my master's degree, my MFA, because I'm very grateful I got the MFA. Right. But in, in some ways, I think it kind of made me a much more self-conscious writer. Hmm. Um, and I don't know why. Um, and, and I'm still battling that. Uh, I did actually post on Facebook this morning. Can someone please just come write the first three chapters and I'll finish it? <laughs> Mostly because, you know, I just, I'm still, I'm also dealing with some issues, some health issues that are getting resolved. They're just resolving themselves excruciatingly slowly because yeah. they're hormone, as you well know, mm-hmm. they're hormone based. Mm-hmm. And that's not stuff that resolves itself overnight. Right. Yeah. So, yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. I know you do. You I mean you're finally your body's finally responding. And yes. I uh, basically what happened is I spent 17 years battling doctors about uh, I have had my whole family has issues with their thyroid. Yes. Yeah. 
and I'm overweight and have battled my weight the whole time for a lot of different reasons, mostly not having to do with thyroid, mostly having to do with uh, just sort of um, psychological problems. I'm, you know, compulsive eating and, you know, using food as a drug. Food is my drug of choice. Y'all should know that. I don't drink. I don't smoke pot. (laughs) I don't. I'm, uh, you know, I'm an eater. That's what I do. So, um, but the thyroid issue, I've had symptoms of hypothyroid Hmm. for like almost 20 years. And couldn't get doctors to listen, couldn't get doctors to listen. Finally, I ended up ordering from letsgetchecked.com. I ended up ordering my own thyroid test and proving that I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is, you know, because all my numbers kept coming back normal. We're testing your thyroid. The numbers are normal. You can't be having these symptoms. Hmm. But I am. Right. And it turns out my antibodies are double. Jeez. Um, yeah. So essentially what that means is my body is producing antibodies to my own thyroid. Jesus. Right. So my, I am, am producing plenty of thyroid. My doctors were right about that. Um, but my body's not using it. Right. So finally I list, got a doctor who would listen, and I got on Synthroid. The problem with synthetic thyroid is it takes months to work. Right. Yeah. So I'm still coping with that, and yeah. there's a brain fog involved. Oh, so yeah. I know that, too. Yeah. So I, I envision myself sitting in front of the computer like Mount Everest, you know, <laughs> yes. little clouds circling the top of my head. <laughs> 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 just like, this is my life. I'm just trying to work my way through this brain fog and write. Yeah. And um, it will clear itself up eventually, and I imagine this whole EDD thing will get sorted out eventually. Yes. But meanwhile, you know, writing anything extra right now doesn't seem almost doesn't seem worth the effort. I had a big dispute on Facebook <laughs> about Lindsey Graham. I, I don't know if you saw it, but I posted, yep. can we please, if we're going to criticize Lindsey Graham, can we criticize him for the horrible things mm-hmm. he's done and not use any homophobic Yes, epithet? yes. I have a huge problem with that. Me too. And I cannot tell you how many people literally came to my comments section and said, we just want to call him a, you know, you know, the F word, the the gay F word. We just really want to keep on doing that. So no. And it was gay men who were like, Hey, we appreciate you as an ally, but don't tell us how to talk. Well, that's it. Well, but the thing is, is gay people can say whatever the fuck they want. In my opinion, like if they want to slam him, it's just kind of like the N word, right? Anybody who's black can use it. And anybody who isn't needs to not use it. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Contextually, I might agree with you. And when I hear gay men talking to each other mm-hmm. and good, good-naturedly teasing each other mm-hmm. about being gay, yeah, I have no problem with that. And the same thing with with black people banding about the N word in a in a way that's mutually consensual. Right, yeah. My problem is you don't get to use hate speech. Well, that's, I don't care yeah. if you're gay. I don't care if you're. You yeah. know, Tim, it was it Tim Scott, the one who gave the rebuttal yes. to. Is it that thing? Yes. Yeah. Did you? How many black people came out and called him the N word right. in, in a in an attacking way? Right. For all that bullshit that mm-hmm. he spouted, mm-hmm. he deserve he deserved to be criticized. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Did he deserve racial a racial attack from anybody? No. And I would have stood up against anybody who did it. The same way that I come after women who try and slut shame Melania Trump. Yeah, me too. I don't care. There's a, a billion reasons you can criticize Melania mm-hmm. Trump. There's a billion reasons you can criticize Ivanka. But the minute you start slut-shaming them, I know. now we have a problem and I'm going to step in. Yeah. Because hate speech is hate speech. And I tried and tried to write a blog post about this. But, you know, I think I get so angry now that it's almost like, it, it's almost like my brain just kind of goes into white noise. 
I totally understand that. I mean, I, I, I wrote a blog post years ago about chicks on the right who I despise with every fiber of my being. And the blog post was about the fact that liberals would go over to their page and call them lesbians because like in a, you know, as, as a way to put them down um, right. because they were cute, cute and giggly and touchy and feely in their photos. And it's like, I was so irritated because, mm-hmm. because of course the, these women are not stupid. They are college educated. They are articulate. They are smart. They may be fucking horrible people. And, and they're mm-hmm. mean girls and they, they're terrible and all that. They're racist and all of that. But they are smart. And they, of course, pick up on that very quickly. And they say, look at all the tolerant liberals calling us lesbians. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's like, come on, man. There are so many, like you said, so many reasons to criticize. But when you go to insult someone by using a, a, like a gay slur or some kind of racial slur, then you're basically behaving like the other side. And the sad part is you're absolutely right. You have all these liberals coming to defend that behavior. Oh, it's okay because. Oh, it's okay because. No, it's not okay. But you know what? There's, I mean, I've had the same issues and I've said the same things. And it's like, I mean, I got yelled at by a gay man because I I said the same thing about Lindsey Graham not too long ago. And Mm -hmm. and it's like, And he was pissed off at me. And it was like, you know, all I'm trying to do is say, can we focus on, just like you, can we just focus on the really valid reasons to insult him? And and part of it is that some people say, well, he is, you know, he, he's gay and then he writes legislation that's homophobic. And it's like, fine, then criticize him for the homophobic legislation. Right, and I got a lot of that too. I got one of the comments was from a man whose son is gay, but he's done all this harm. And I'm saying, and I, and my basic question was, would it be any more? Harm? He only gets one vote in the Senate, no matter what. Yeah. And by the way, just to point out, we assume Lindsey Graham is gay. Exactly. But we don't know that Lindsey, and I don't know what his journey regarding his sexuality is, and neither do you, yeah. and neither does anybody else. Because he's played that close, he's reasonably close to the best. I have deleted countless messages of the most homophobic, just nasty discussions about, oh, he's probably videotaped with such and such. I'm like, okay, now we're going to delete you Mm -hmm. because now you've just gone off the rails and I'm going to protect you from yourself. Because no, this is not sitting on my page. But, um, you know, the fact is we don't know what his journey is. Sexuality and gender identification are incredibly complicated issues. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a friend who's now has a daughter who used to have a son. The, that Watching that journey and that son was somebody I've known from the day that she was born, mm-hmm. uh, born uh, identified as a male. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or assigned as male, I guess. Yeah. And um, so I've watched that journey from the time that, she was an infant mm-hmm. all the way to now. And it has been an incredibly complicated yeah. journey for her, yeah. for my friend, for her, for her daughter. It has been extraordinarily complicated. And I am not here to out anybody before they're ready to be mm-hmm. outed or to tell anybody what their sexual journey is. You know, and I, I mean, I just think that that's personal and it's really, really wrong. Yeah. And the, oh, by the way, also, Let's just point out that the way that people tend to insult Lindsey Graham is by referring to him as Miss Lindsey and Lady G to assume that he's female. Therefore, he must be less than. If he's Mm -hmm. feminine, if he's a feminine man, he must be less than. 
that I'm not having any of. Well, yeah, and there's also I said I I tweeted out something the other day that when. Uh, when women or when people want to insult women, they call them men. When people want to insult men, they call them women. And it's mm-hmm. like it's just so fucking crazy to me that, you know, you, implying that a man is a woman is an insult, implying that a woman is a man is an insult. And it's just so stupid. And it's, you know, I, I think I've kind of come to the conclusion, not not that I would stop fighting against it or arguing or whatever, but I, I think that there is just in a much bigger picture, uh, thinking in terms of our collective behaviors throughout history, I think there's always going to be that faction, no matter how much. And I, and I, I think like, you know, I'm getting very philosophical, but it, but it's like, you have your individual self that you have to worry about. And in my opinion, it is about growth. It's about soul growth and growth means intelligence, learning, understanding, compassion, and and I think there's always like I've I've always considered Earth to be a place where souls inhabit bodies and learn, and I liken us to grade one or say kindergarten through sixth grade. So mm-hmm. the sixth grade people would be like the Mother Teresas or or whoever it is that's so evolved. And, mm-hmm. you know, just is very compassionate and cares about other people. Jesus, whatever you, you know, I mean, I'm, and I'm not saying Jesus for real, but just the idea of loving and caring and not being critical and this and that and that. So, um, but so many people are still in kindergarten. And, you know, it's funny because my mom used to say she felt sorry for George Bush, because George W. Bush, because, and I can't mm-hmm. even remember which, what it was that made her feel sorry for him, but that it's just that he was not evolved. And I said, but... Do, would you could, like with my little scenario here of, of kindergarten through sixth grade, would you s- feel sorry for a kindergartner for not knowing what a sixth grader knows? Maybe his soul. Yes, he's he's elevated to the presidency and that's a really high place for a human being to be in the physical world. But just in the emotional world or in the mental understanding of things, he's still maybe only in second grade. And maybe he just doesn't even have the capacity. Did, would you feel sorry for a second grader who doesn't understand what a sixth grader understands? And, you know, we've had these conversations back and forth. And I do think that all these people who are being um, basically bigots, you know, they're liberals, but they're still being bigots. I think that it's, a, it's still about a learning curve. They haven't gotten there yet. And so that that's why it's important to speak out against it. But it's like we'll speak out against it forever and a day and then we'll die and come back and still be speaking about it. <laughs> oh, 100 percent. No, 100 percent. And then and maybe that's what the journey is. It's yeah. Basically attempting just to get to that, to, to just to even get to a fourth grade level or get one grade level yeah. above where yes, you yes, started. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but I also say this is what I say, too, about people who choose to remain unvaccinated. All of us have been given the same information. Yeah. Now, there are some people who can't take the vaccine for medical reasons. Right. There are some people who are too young to get the vaccine right now. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of people out there who are inside the age group who have access to the vaccine, who choose not to get it for whatever crazy-ass reason they've chosen to buy into. All they have to do is do real research, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is to get off of Facebook and go online and find real research on the vaccine, and they would know that it's safe. Well, did Plenty you... of doctors are saying that it's safe. So we're all 
entitled to the same information. Yes. Some people have just chosen to ignore it. Of and course. I can't feel sorry for those people at Me all. Me neither. Me neither. But did you see, and I didn't know this, Lawrence O'Donnell said last week um, he had interviewed the woman who came up with the Moderna vaccine. She's a 34-year-old mm-hmm. black woman. She's been working on the coronavirus vaccine for years. And, mm-hmm. um, and I guess, like, she's supposedly fucking crazy smart and like her 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 teachers and her professors are like oh my god this woman is like um, amazing and i guess they you know when this pandemic hit you know she got sent off for a weekend to go figure out what she needed to figure out i don't know the details of it because i saw basically an interview with lawrence about his interview with her so it was just pieces and i didn't hear everything but like you know i mean it was i think it was Lawrence talking either to yeah it was it must have been uh, Rachel Maddow Rachel and, he was, Maddow, and yeah. he was saying like I don't know what you know like this woman what she does on the weekends when she's 34 is not what I was doing when I was 34 <laughs> <laughs> like coming up with the Moderna vaccine but she like she had already been you know and it's like I hear people and I've talked to some of these I've talked about on the show before where I go to the grocery store and there's been young girls and they're like I don't know about this vaccine and I don't trust it and this and that. And so I, I was able to turn one of them around. But uh, part of the way I did that is I said, you know, they have been working on a coronavirus vaccine for many years. I said that there was already work put in. And then every scientist in the world stopped what they were doing. And they stopped doing the cancer, you know, seeing, working on cancer and AIDS and whatever else they were working on. And they all focused on COVID. So there was already all of this information and stuff that they already knew. And then they just Mm -hmm. all together focused on it. And it's, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. You, every time I take a vaccine and I don't care what kind of vaccine it is, it's like, okay, well, I hope in the long run, I'm okay. (laughs) Well, you know, and here's, this is, this is the thing or that it works or whatever. Exactly. You know, every year that I get a flu shot, I'm thinking to myself, Okay, is this one of the sixty percent effective flu shots, or is this one of the thirty-four percent effective flu shots? Yeah, you know, because it's a crapshoot. The FDA yeah. decides, or, or the CDC decides, every year when it comes to flu shots, which strains are going to be the most prevalent. Right. And, and then, and sometimes they're wrong. Decision on science. Sometimes they're wrong. Yeah. And we've all been through those flu seasons. Right. Where, I have. You know. Well, but the other thing too is, if you at least get vaccinated every year you have some protection to the point where your flu doesn't turn into pneumonia right people do die of flu every year yes yes and and it's interesting because um you know one of the things that the masks have done is our flu season was virtually non-existent i know i know and now people are pulling masks off and they're starting to get the flu yep you know, even vaccine, people who are vaccinated against coronavirus now are now suffering through the flu oh, that they didn't get a flu shot for because they were busy wearing masks. This right. is why Asians, this is why in Asian cities and Asian right. populations, they wear masks because bird flu and yes. all SARS, MERS, all seem to originate from around Asia. Yeah. And that's why they don't have the same kind of plagues that we have because yeah. their cultural proclivities are protect the community or to protect the community not to think constantly about themselves Mm -hmm. and it it you know i find it fascinating that um americans are all for personal freedom Mm -hmm. 
in the state of Texas, and then today, except for except for if you're a pregnant woman, right? Forget that. Yeah, you have it. You don't have any bodily autonomy. No. Well, and I think we can safely say we live in a patriarchal society, mm-hmm. and men, no man, really thinks that women have you know right. freedom of autonomy. I mean, and and that's not true. I'm going to say no because I'm going to get the not all men thing. But <laughs> the truth is, no men in power. Let's right. Put that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Men who are currently in power do not believe that women have bodily autonomy. They made a, a career, and and self-hating women have gone along with that. Yeah. Well, mostly Republican men. I mean, at least at least there are Democratic men who understand it. But it seems like the majority of the Republican men. Yeah. And it's like right now what's going around, the argument that's going around, which I've been posting and others have been posting. is like, well, if you're so hell bent on taking the bodily autonomy away from women, then like men should just get vasectomies until they're financially responsible. And when I was doing, you know, that way they can reverse the vasectomy. And OK, now you, now you can do it because it's like, how do women get pregnant? They don't get pregnant by fucking snapping their fingers or masturbating. They, <laughs> they have to ha- a man right. is involved. And when I was talking with Joe Walsh, who is vehemently against abortion in every situation, including rape, it's it's like, well, and it, the crazy part of it is, un, I think, unfortunately, with somebody like Joe Walsh, he is he is genuinely basing his decision on protecting life. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, because I don't think that he genuinely wants to, he, I said, what do you propose then? If there's a woman who gets pregnant and doesn't want to have a baby, what what should happen to her? And he, it was like he was like, I know, I don't think any, I don't think she should go to jail. I don't think the doctor should go to jail. And so it's like he doesn't have an answer. He's been he's been so, um, I don't want to say brainwashed, but it seems to me brainwashed by religion, that it, that you know he's basing. It's like well, we've got to protect that life. We've got to protect. Even if, he said that if he had a daughter, and she was raped he would force her to have that child. And I told him that that was torture and it was abhorrent and he kind of agreed yet. He mm-hmm. still to, and, and again, I don't think it's cause he wants to control women. I really don't. And I'm not just defending him because he's been nice and he's been on my show. I would fully say, you know, I look at Greg Abbott. I think he wants to uh, control women's bodies because he likes the patriarchy. I think when I listen to Joe Walsh talk, I don't understand why he wants to remain conservative. I understand people who want to be fiscally conservative. Um, but when you look back at Republican budgets versus Democrat, it's like, okay, you can be conservative, but then there's Republican and Democrat, and, and who's really the more conservative one when, when the budget is balanced and when the economy is better. But take that out of – just take that out. Like there, because there are those fiscally conservative people who are socially uh, liberal. He's not even socially liberal. I mean, but he, he is and then he isn't. And it's weird. And so it's like a combination of controlling women and a combination of full-on brainwashing from religion telling you that this life has to be pr- protected no matter what. And e- even though doctors say differently, even though, you know, the doctors will tell you that, first of all, in order to have a baby, your life is at risk. You put your mm-hmm. own life at risk. And it doesn't matter how many women have perfectly fine, healthy pregnancies with no problem because there's always, there's, oh, you know, I mean, I had a friend who, I mean, she was fine and she, she had her kid eventually fine, no problem. But the last two months of her pregnancy, she was bedridden. Her doctor Mm -hmm. said, you need to stay in bed the entire fucking time. And she couldn't go to work. I don't even remember how she got through. She, I guess it was, she had a guy with her and he was paying the bills. Because she wasn't mm-hmm. working. 
And it's like, how right. do you how do you tell these people? There are so many scenarios. Oh my God, I'm just going off into a tangent, but that's because abortion is in the news right now, and it, you right. know the Supreme Court's going to be taking a look at uh, whatever I can't remember whatever case that is, but still, it's it's putting Roe in danger, and it's like, okay, my boyfriend said that historically the Supreme Court does not you know reverse certain precedents, and he's mm-hmm. right, but. The issue is chip away, but they can can chip chip away. away But there's also Brett Kavanaugh now who has a history of, you know, wanting to change precedent. And we've got Amy Comey Barrett, which I'm not sure what she's going to do on this. And it was funny. I am. (laughs) She will 100 percent vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. She has basically come out and said it in so many words. (sighs) But here here's my issue, too. Um, voting rights wasn't supposed to be able to be gutted either. And right, John exactly. Had no exactly. problem doing that. Now, the, what he said was, and his and the majority opinion that was written was basically like to single out eight states in the Voting Rights Act was unconstitutional. Yeah. Basically, he threw it back to the federal government to say, write a better law mm-hmm. that includes the entire country, and I'll support it. Like, essentially, that's, he didn't say that, but mm-hmm. that's what he was implying. Yeah. That, it, that the reason that he was voting to gut the Voting Rights Act was because it only included eight states. And given what's happening in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. in Michigan, in Arizona, I kind of have to agree with them in that yeah. regard. You know, we need a blanket. We need a Voting Rights Act that's blanket across the entire country. Yeah. This is how we're going to do this. This is how you're going to handle it. You don't get to gerrymander. You don't get to do mm-hmm. any of that. And um, so, um, you know, and it's like, hold on a second. Somebody's cutting a tree up of my window, of course. <laughs> there we go. Um, but, um, yeah, you don't get to do any of that in any state that you're in. Yeah. I mean, you know, whether you're north of the Mason-Dixon or south of the Mason-Dixon. So, um, you know, I, I, I kind of get it. But who knows what they're going to use yeah. to overturn Roe v. Wade. It's going to be like you can chip away for the Supreme Court. Well, and I don't know how this is going to work. You know, there's still the possibility of expanding the Supreme Court. The yes. Supreme Court was shrunk. What What was it? 60, yeah. 70, 80 years, 90 years ago, something like that? No. Yeah, it was right after slavery. I can't remember. But the Supreme Court has changed sizes multiple times. And yes. It might be time to expand the Supreme Court yet again. Yes, and, I um, think so. You know, I, we'll I have hope to see. so. I hope so because, <coughs> excuse me, it's um, it, you know, oh my God, it's just frightening watching what's going on right now. It's crazy because you've got like this hopeful news, right? We've had Michael Cohen basically said Trump was going to turn on everyone last night. He told Joy Reid he you. was, yeah, he was going to turn on Ivanka and Don Jr. and uh, what is that, Seidelberg. Um, um, I can't even. Well, and uh, Alan uh, Weisselberg. Weisselberg. That's what I'm trying to think. Weisselberg. Yeah. So it's like uh, there's that, and then we go woohoo, and then you know the Greenberg dude basically admitted to child sex trafficking, and we think he's going to be naming for sure Matt Gates and maybe even somebody like Ron DeSantis. So we'll see what happens there. And there's things to be hopeful for, but for, but then there's also, you know, I mean, democracy. Here, here's what's so crazy, and it's not surprising, but all last year, I mean, God, last year was such a fucking nightmare. And, and it was a nightmare because Donald Trump was president and COVID was just running amok and he wasn't doing anything positive about it. 
and we were stuck in this kind of prison with him. And it, you know, we were so grateful when Joe Biden won, but then we were left with the hang, you know, like the remainder of the COVID shit that he, he we're still dealing with it. Um, mm-hmm. And we're still on the brink of losing democracy, which is something that we're like, okay, we've got to get Donald Trump out because we have to save democracy. Okay, well, we got Donald Trump out, but democracy is still on the fucking line. And I mean, Kamala Harris said, you know, democracy is not a given, a guarantee. It's something you constantly have to work towards and fight for. um, And that's true. But it's never been like it is right now, because we all know if if Republicans get control in the government, they will not absolutely not give the presidency to a Democrat who legitimately won. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it won't, it won't matter. So we've got these crazy people and it's like, I just, I can't believe, I can't fucking believe this is my country every fucking day. And I, I hear, you know, whether it's a lawyer or, or a guest I have on my show or just a, an opinion out there like, oh my God, the GOP is falling apart and they're going to splinter and it's going to make it easier for the Democrats. I hear that all the time. But I don't feel hopeful enough about it that it's, you know, I, I with Joe Manchin I and Cinema that, I'm not. Sorry, go ahead, go well, ahead. I was just going to say with Joe Manchin and Cinema not voting for HR one, um, I don't know that the GOP is going to fall apart and then the Demo- Democrats win and democracy is saved forever. I don't have that confidence. Mm-hmm. And so I don't well, know. And this is crazy. Manchin has said that he would back the John Lewis bill. Uh, yeah, that's for the people yeah. act. Um, but that he he which I think it's I think that's HR four and F four I could be wrong about that don't hold me to that but but the fact is um, and and that wouldn't you know that would be this is one of the reasons why honestly I don't give a shit about Joe Manchin or Christian Cinema there has to be there has to come a point where um, you know we have to just basically uh, change filibuster law. Yeah. Um, yes. It's crazy. I mean, that just has to happen. And, and, you know, I'm tired of Mitch McConnell having any say in the country whatsoever. Um, you know, it's just, it's crazy. He just, you know, he's just, he's a destructive, horrible, evil individual. Mm-hmm. Um, of all the evil, you know, you can set aside Lindsey Graham, you can set aside Donald Trump. The most evil human being currently in power right now is Mitch McConnell. Yes. And he has dedicated himself to destroying democracy mm-hmm. and keeping white people in charge. Yeah. White men right. in charge. Yeah. And so, you know, my my issue with people who talk constantly about the devolution or, or the, you know, whatever of the Republican Party is, the implication is somehow that if the Republican Party falls apart, they'll all run over to our side. Mm, right. That's not going to no. happen. No. <laughs> you know, and the I, I do have a prediction, and it's tentative, but I believe that all of this siding with Donald, this is, now, bear in mind, this is, we, Joe Biden hasn't even been in office for six months yet. Yeah. So, um, and the election was what, Ten was eight, seven months ago, seven eight months ago, you know. Yeah. So we haven't even been at this for a year yet. Now that said, you know, right now all of this Donald Trump stuff. You know, if you ask regular old Republican voters whether Donald Trump is going to be president mm-hmm. in twenty twenty four again, they're like, I'm not voting for him. Yeah. 
they're all like, I'm not, the only people who are doing this are the hardline QAnoners mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and politicians. Now, what I was going to say, too, about Joe Walsh and, and uh, the whole uh, idea of, uh, you know, a life is a life is a blah, 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 <laughs> is um, it, lives only, A, lives only matter if they're not women's lives. Right. Women's lives don't matter. It's only babies' lives that matter. And they only matter until they're born. Right. And then after that, they're on their own. And mm-hmm. if they're brown, God forbid. Yeah. Because they're, you know, brown and weird and they eat strange food. So we don't <laughs> like them anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. So, but the other thing, too, is you have to also kind of understand that this, when you talk about fiscal conservatives and, and, and social liberals, I can't tell you how many people who voted Republican in the last election or last four elections can't tell me what fiscal conservative is. Exactly. Right. You can tell me what being fiscally conservative consists of, uh, you know, then we can have a discussion. If you can't tell me uh, in a 500, I need you to write a 500 word essay (laughs) on what constitutes fiscal conservatism or getting rid of social security Uh, or getting getting rid of a social, social safety nets or getting rid of welfare. Oh, really? What about social security? Does that count? Mm-hmm. What about food stamps for, you know, look, a lot of people have survived through this pandemic on food stamps. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it just goes, it goes on. And then, that, well, no, well, not that. But, you know, your family right, 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 right. getting benefits. Oh, oh, well, your dad collects Social Security. Well, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, well, yeah. You know, it's like those social safety nets that benefit them are fine. Yeah. And most fiscal conservatives... So, and I use bunny ears mm-hmm. when I say fiscal conservatives, they have no idea what fiscal conservatism actually means. Yeah. The fact is, and, and historically, what that's meant. What's austerity meant? What's mm-hmm. austerity done to this country? What's austerity done to England? Mm-hmm. What, you know, England is now having the most, fa- Britain is now having the most fascinating problem with the NHS because during the austerity era, they decided to privatize a huge chunk of the NHS. And the company that they went with just got purchased by an American healthcare company. Wow. Right now, 500,000 Brits are being insured by what is ostensibly an American healthcare company. Hmm. Good luck with that, people. Yeah, I know. You know my, and my, my British friends were all for austerity and all for privatizing NHS and hate the NHS and think that it's such an evil empire, you know, they're going to see what mm-hmm. American healthcare really consists of. Well, I don't <laughs> really think it's going to, I don't really think it's going to, going to affect our healthcare. Don't you though? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I teach it. Let's just see how you feel about that in about a year and a half, two years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it could be for the better. Sure. Cause it always works out. When Amer- right. American insurance companies step in and run out <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Oh but, my God, that's yeah. No, I mean, but see, that's what happens. This yeah. is what austerity does. Yeah, austerity. You know, the the fact is, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that's changed now. You know, McDonald's in certain stores has had has been forced to raise their rate of pay mm-hmm. because they can't get people to work for them mm-hmm. for ten dollars an hour anymore. So now they've been forced to go right. up above $15 an hour. Well, Th- yeah. This is my belief, is that slavery still exists in yes, America. Yes, it does. And the mental attitude of slavery still exists in America. Mm-hmm. You rarely find this in other countries, mm-hmm. of forcing people, to, forcing people to live on a salary 
that they can't afford. Almost all countries have some version of a minimum wage. Yeah. Right. And except for us, right. and it's because I, I, I know a livable mm-hmm. wage. Right. And and it's because we are locked into a slavery mindset. And and the thing about our modern slavery is that at least it, you know like it's true that de facto more people of color are living below the poverty line but the fact is middle class and upper middle class people don't really care who they oppress right you can be white and poor you can be person of color and poor it's an equal opportunity poverty nation you know as long as we're standing on the backs of people we refuse to pay for a decent day's work and make the argument that if we have to pay them it's just going to cost us more not understanding that a rising tide lifts all boats, you know, the fact is if you pay everybody, if you subsidize everybody, if you make give everybody a living wage so that they everybody has expendable income, the entire economy recovers and does better. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to have this discussion. And you can point to history as much as you like. But, the you know, there is this lie that among conservatives that if you help poor people, and it's because we're locked, we're trapped in, in a cycle of slavery. And it, the slavery, you know, sure, we're willing to pay our, quote, slaves, unquote, you know, $7 an hour. Well, they're getting paid $7 an hour. Yeah. You know? Well, it's literally the... slave wages because who can live on that shit? Nobody. nobody. Can, who can live nobody. on fifteen an hour? I know. Nobody. It's um, just, it's, you know, it's interesting because the other day I was in the grocery store and there was this woman, and she was, and I don't, I have absolutely no idea what her political ideology, if she even has one, but she was wearing a uh, American flag shirt, and her, and she was wearing a mask, although it was of course below her nose, but um, and it was also an American flag. Uh, you know, mask. And when she was paying, she said, oh, I also have WIC. And I wondered, I thought, hmm, I wonder if you're a Trump supporter. I mean, you know, it's difficult to tell anymore because when you see an American flag, like my mom said in her neighborhood, people are hanging American flags. And she's like, I don't know what, I don't know what that means anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's yeah. a crazy ass fucking Trump supporter or if it's like legit, a, a legitimate patriot. And so, mm-hmm. you know, of course they've sullied the fucking flag and sullied the term patriot- patriotism. But so I was looking at this woman and, you know, she, she, I couldn't tell what was going on. And I thought, well, I mean, there are those Republicans who take food stamps and WIC and all that stuff. And then they vote for Republicans. And it's like, what are you fucking doing? You know, there was, I think it was Alexandra, if, if I'm not mistaken, Pelosi daughter of uh, Nancy Pelosi did Mm -hmm. a documentary uh, just about the fact, you know, she went into red hardcore red States and talked to people like you get, keep your hands off my Medicare shit. You know, like people are getting Medicare or you know, the, the, the state is doing so poorly as far as economically and, and people are suffering and, you know, whether it's social security or Medicare and they are fucking, they have no idea they have no idea that that's the government giving them money. They don't see it that way. And then they say, keep your government hands off my Medicare. That's what the Tea mm-hmm. Party was saying. It's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> it's exactly. coming from the it's government. Like, <laughs> I know. Well, you see, that's just it. It's like the, the aid that we get, that's legitimate aid. It's yes. all those other. And this is where this is where the whole 
Ronald Reagan welfare queen thing started, you know, it's like, oh, because let's face it, really what they're talking about, let's be absolutely honest, is to, is that they're talking about taking benefits away from people of color and, you know, not white people. Like, as long as white people are collecting, are, are using Medicare and collecting Social Security, they're fine with that. Yes. It's when people of color start doing the same thing, even if they're entitled to it. And, and yes. it, it, again, it's, it's just this form of slavery mm-hmm. that, that we continue to benefit from. You know, um, until we acknowledge that we, uh, we want to leave the bounds of slavery behind us and decide that everybody gets to get paid a working livable wage. You can show people spreadsheets. You can Andrew Yang the crap out of everything and mm-hmm. show people that if you have a guaranteed monthly income, the entire country does better. Yes. You know, and, and here's the thing. Smart guy, Andrew Yang. Yeah. Loved everything he said. And it was all true. He had the spreadsheets. He could do the PowerPoint presentation. He was ready. But people aren't ready to hear it in America. You know, people are ready to hear it in other countries. And, mm-hmm. and you look at those economies and they're thriving. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's a small country. Yeah, yeah they, they always have an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you, somebody ahead, that sorry. my mom had been talking to recently, Omega, was saying that um, she says to my mother, well, you want everyone to have free health care. And my mom's like, yeah, actually, I do. Um, but beyond that, uh, this woman knows Sicily. She goes to Sicily and talks about how terrible, you know, the, the health care is over there and applies it to everywhere else in the whole wide world. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I was not in this conversation. If I were in the conversation, I would have brought up my very centrist, very centrist brother. I mean, he is a hardcore centrist. And mm-hmm. um, like I, socially, he's pretty liberal. He doesn't care if you're gay or black or whatever. But it's like he, definitely when it comes to money and all that mm-hmm. stuff, he's got that conservative mindset. And so um, he lived in Italy. And his child was born in England because that's he met, you know, his wife when he mm-hmm. was over there for, for the military. And I said to him, what do you think is better, American health care or, you know, health care in England? He goes, oh, health care in England. No doubt. Now, this is coming from someone who would be very highly critical if there was something to be highly critical of, because he's like I said, I mean, he's he's very he's my brother is so funny when he was a little boy. Oh, my God. He was so fucking cute. He had blue eyes and then he had these long, 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 dark, dark, dark eyelashes with like blondish ringlets. He was so fucking cute. But he was so very serious because my father um, used to listen. He, my father worked, obviously, for ABC News as a cameraman. And he used to listen to WTOP news radio all the time. So my brother when he was probably about six years old, he would fall asleep every night to WTOP. And that was his kind of lullaby. So one day, you know, it's the morning and he's up. And my brother's looking kind of freaked out about something. And my dad's like, is everything all right? And my brother said, well, and he was six. Well, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about what's happening in the Middle East. <laughs> <laughs> And then so, you know, then later he grows up, he joins the Navy and then he actually he was on a submarine and I don't know what he did because he's not allowed to tell me. 
But um, I know it had to do with the Middle East, which is kind of funny. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like it all comes back. But, you know, so he's just a very, he's always had that very serious quality and he doesn't fuck around. And yeah, I mean, people in, do I know, Sicily's healthcare is not the healthcare you're going to say, let's go for that. <laughs> You've got, you know, I, evidently France, Canada and England have some pretty hardcore, you know, uh, wonderful Medicare situations, whatever, single payer. And, you know, the thing is, is that, when it does happen over here, I think that it's going to be probably a, a, like a hybrid where we'll have the healthcare available for all, but then we'll have doctors who do, you know, specialty shit. And so mm -hmm. when you want to go get, you know, elective surgeries and stuff like that, you've got those doctors. If, you know, and I don't know exactly how it would work with just ear, nose and throat if there would be a hybrid there, but we're going to have a hybrid. You know, well, here's the thing. In NHS, by the way, is not the only game in town in Great Britain. One of the perks that companies offer is private health insurance. There you go. And it's yeah. a whole different ball game. Right. You don't, you know, so you have an option. Yes. Britain says, oh, you can't have private health insurance. Plenty right. of people have private health insurance. Right. I'm sure every member of parliament yes. has private health insurance. Yes. My, my boss, um, my former boss, who was British, uh, worked in California for four years, and then they went back to England. And one of the perks that he was offered at this with this great job offer that brought him back to England was private health insurance mm -hmm. because um, NHS they just didn't want to you know they just didn't want to deal with NHS. They were happy with private health care mm -hmm. because they could afford it. You know, they he was a lawyer. They yeah. could have, you know, he was now a partner in a in a film production company. So he could totally afford that. Um, but, you know, the fact is, if, and, and, as I, and I've told this story many times, my daughter and I went to visit uh, friends, including my former boss in England, in, when my daughter was about 13 or 14. And we had been, we were there for two weeks. And when, when we hit our London, uh, we started in the West Country, when we hit our London uh, tour, um, my daughter suddenly became ill. And, uh, like, she just couldn't get out of bed, and she had a fever, and I was terrified. And my uh, my other former boss would move to England. I almost to England. It's not me, I swear. <laughs> um, um, he said, just pick up the phone. Call, you know, call a doctor here. Yeah. And he opened the phone book to, like, a page full of doctors. And I'm like, I, I've never paid a penny into NHS. And he goes, doesn't matter. Call. So, like, we found a doctor nearby. And I called, and she's like, oh, yes, bring her in. We'll take a look at her. You can bring her into the surgery. You know? <laughs> so we went into the doctor, and I'm terrified. You know, I've only brought so much money with me, and I only have so much money on my card. Are they going to take my card? What's the deal? What's going to happen? And the office visit was like $35, yeah. the equivalent of about $35, and the prescriptions were the equivalent of another $35. And I had no, and it was two prescriptions. Now, Oh, no, 15 I'm sorry, $15. Altogether, I spent less than $50. Yeah. On the, and my daughter had strep throat. Oh, right, um, yeah, that's yeah, hard Yeah, exactly. And so for an antibiotic and for also for a, a, their version of a kind of a narcotic sepical, you know, a spray that, that helped dull the pain. Yeah. She uh, got, uh, you know, it was less than $50. Mm -hmm. And I had not paid a penny. 
Into, yeah, that's. A, I mean, I have a friend who uh, lives in Argentina, and he said, you know, you get off the plane, you fall down, you can go right to the hospital. So, uh, yeah, it just it, that's how it is over there. And and the funny thing is, is these fucking assholes say, I don't want to have to pay for your health care. It's like, well, I'm paying for yours. You know, it's mm-hmm. like we're all paying. We're all paying into it. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, when you go to the doctor, my tax dollars take care of it. When mm-hmm. I go to the doctor, your tax dollars take care of it. Jesus Christ, these I don't want to fucking help you people. I feel like, you know what? No, I don't have to give. I don't have to walk up to random strangers and go, here's a hundred bucks. Go have a nice life. Nobody has to do that. But if we're all mm-hmm. going to live here, I always like liken it to five or six people living in a big house. You've, you've got to find a way to make it work. And you've got to make compromises because you're all living there. We're all living on this earth. We're all living on this planet. And so we, you know, we don't have to necessarily look out for, for each and every other person and make sure they're okay. But yeah, there, there has to be some kind of a thing where we're putting money into something so that we're all taken care of. And, mm-hmm. you know, just with roads, with social security, with all that shit. And it's, it's just mm-hmm. like, I'm so sick and tired of these selfish fucking people. I mean, I'm selfish to the degree of, yeah, I want to have a nice life and I want to have nice things and stuff like that. But not at the expense of, you know, like someone only working for $7. Can't we? Can't we just, not that putting my tax dollars in is going to raise anything, but just the idea that, look, we could all, all of us could be doing so much better. That, you know, that there's that saying that I'm going to fucking totally screw up right now. It's something about that th- when, when the tide rises. What is that thing about how the, when the, it's like the water? Rising, lifts, a rising tide, um, a all, rising tide lifts all boats. There you go. That, that's what it is. And yeah, so it's like it's not that difficult to understand. I got into this big fight with this guy one time because he was saying, I don't want to pay for your birth control. And he said, if I have to pay for your birth control, you have to pay for my beer or something so fun. And he's a libertarian. He's a fucking right winger libertarian. And, you know, when we were arguing and are debating about something and I don't know, it, it eventually led to he was basically saying the free market's going to fix everything. And, you know, I said, well, not necessarily because there was one incident that I brought up to him and I wish I had it in front of me, but it was having to do with an airline and you know, th- there was an airline that was when they there were regulations and they were checked on something. Um, they were it was a very dangerous plane. Long story short, and eventually the regulations are what made whatever airline fix the problem. It was not free market, so it's like, what do you have to wait for a plane to go down, fuck fall from the fucking sky, and everyone dies, and they go, oh, okay, we're not going to fly them. It, it, it's the idea of, oh the. If if a if a company isn't providing a good service, then people are just not going to get that service, and it'll all work itself out. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't fucking work that way. It works much better when we're all putting something into our home and where we live, and so that we can all live comfortably and happily. And you know, I mean, it took. I never watched the movie Sicko because I was afraid to, and right. it, it like freaked me out. And I but I did see. There was, I, uh, there was one segment where they were visiting a, a doctor in England. And, you know, I mean, he had a nice life. He had a really nice home. I think they had two very nice cars, nice furniture. So he wasn't a billionaire. He wasn't even a millionaire. But he was very comfortable. And, you know, and, and with this lifestyle... 
because I think the whole point was, you know, oh, the doctors over in, in, in like whether it's France or wherever it's single payer, they don't make as much money. And, you know, it, it, but it's like proving this guy was extremely comfortable in his life. He had a very nice home, upper middle class. Mm-hmm. And when you're when you're not in fear of losing everything because you get sick and then now your whole fucking life savings is gone in three days because, you know, Advil cost two hundred and fifty dollars in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're not afraid of losing everything that you have, uh, you know, living an upper class lifestyle is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's so well, and just so and we've all had these stories. Of, we've heard them anyway, even if we don't yes. have anybody personally that we know, of people who were, you know, suddenly having to choose between, you know, selling their house and getting cancer treatment. That should never, but, you know, right. I, again, I tell the story of there's, the, there's a TV program called, I can't remember what it's called, but it's about a vet in Colorado who basically offers low-cost vet care. To people who can't afford it, he adjusts. It's like basically he does it on a sliding scale. He yeah. charges people. What he charges people right. if they can't afford it, he tries to find a lower cost option or, mm-hmm. or help them get it for free. But the one couple, I mean, not a couple. It was a mother and a daughter who came in with their very, very sick fourteen-year-old Chihuahua mix, mm-hmm. uh, and they tell the story of the re- that they were living in their car with them. Their two dogs and all the pro- the possessions that they own, because the other's daughter, the sister, got sick with cancer and died, oh and God. as a result, they lost everything. Oh and God. now they were living in their car. They were living in their freaking car. And I honestly, I mean, sadly, the Chihuahua passed away, oh. but but in a vet's office under vet care. But the the st- part of the story I could never get past was. The daughter died of cancer. They were living in their car. And that happens all the time. People lose their homes, lose their livelihood, lose their life savings because they have to choose to pay for cancer treatment. You should never have to to decide to pay for cancer treatment. You know, that should just be a kind of a given. And, yes, I understand NHS may not offer the most innovative cutting edge Cancer. I had a big argument with my friend who was dead set against NHS because of, you know, the, because his dad was waiting for, I think it was, I can't remember if it was knee or hip replacement surgery, and they kept calling it elective and they kept postponing yeah. it. And I, and finally he got his knee surgery and he got a surgery and I said, and how much did you pay? And he said, nothing. And I'm like, there you go. Mm-hmm. Because you could have been kept waiting here for six months mm-hmm. and then got handed a $12,000 bill. Exactly. Would he yeah. have been able to pay a $12,000 bill? And he said, well, not without hardship. I'm like, that's the difference. Right, exactly. That's what happens when you privatize medical care, when you make yeah. it a for-profit industry. Yeah. Now, 500,000 people in that are enrolled in the NHS are a subject to somebody's corporate bottom line. Mm-hmm. This is what happens when you privatize medical care. Yeah. This is what happens now. This is what happens when you privatize prisons. When you yeah, privatize exactly. prisons. Another form of slavery, too. There you go. Mm-hmm. What, and when you privatize prisons, you incentivize putting people in prison. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just it's just crazy. But you know what? I want to switch the subject to something happy now because it's funny I had my anxiety about 
getting back out into the world, right? It's like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I've been stuck in my in my hole now for a year, more than a year, and I and I feel nervous about going out. So I think I, I made that uh, correlation of like when you're in the car and you have to pee and the closer you get to a toilet, the harder, like the more you have to go. So what I feel like now is, I swear to God, Tuesday is my day. That's the day that the second Moderna shot has me all covered and I can go out into the world and not feel like I'm as nervous. And so what it reminds me of is like Tuesday is my last day of school, or I should say next Monday is my last day of school. (laughs) It's like, you know, you're just like waiting because I am like, I swear to God, I'm I'm like, I'm at the front door and I'm poised to be running out. And I so desperately want to go clothes shopping. And it's going to be weird because I am going to wear my mask. I am. I did talk about this on uh, I did uh, uh, What's Up Monday just for patrons only. And I was pissed off because I saw certain people on Twitter were calling people like me who believed that the CDC was slightly premature and saying we don't have to wear masks, hypocrites. And it's like, because they were saying, well, if you, if, if MAGAs don't trust the science, uh, then you're being a hypocrite. And it's like, no, I trust the science. I completely trust the science. I just don't trust fucking people because there's going to be people who are not vaccinated and it makes it very difficult, difficult for store owners to decide, or even just, you know, not even owners, just people who are working in the store and they see people without masks and, they don't know who's been vaccinated. And if your kid is right there and that person has, so it's like, I just think we should, I think the CDC should have waited before they said that, but whatever. So, you know, either way, I'm still going to be wearing my mask just for a couple of reasons. Number one, because I feel like if I don't wear my mask, I think I'm going to get looked at because whenever I see people now who aren't wearing them, I'm like, Hmm, are you are you a vaccinated person or are you a crazy? So it's like I'm just keeping it on. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to feel confident. Like I went to go pick up my prescription yesterday and it was the first time that I went into the pharmacy because normally he would walk it out to me, which was awesome because it's just a little independent pharmacy. But I went in to pick up my prescription and he was not wearing a mask. I mean, he had he had the uh, uh, plastic thing you know, to keep him safe. But it was like, clearly he had been vaccinated. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, and he felt safe enough to do that. And, you know, and it was so weird because I'm at the point right now that I got my second shot just over a week ago. And I almost have the thing of like, well, I'm vaccinated now. I'm fine. But it's like, wait, no, Tuesday, wait till Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you, and I think you said in your, in your uh, WhatsApp that, you know, it's not like all of a sudden Tuesday is a magic bullet, but yes, it is certainly the, um, the, absolutely outside of the safety net yeah but you know now picture me because i was part of the pfizer trial right so in january they unblinded the placebo recipients of which i was one in the summer i got a shot but it was a placebo Mm -hmm. which i knew i think i've been saying that all along oh this is a placebo there's no way that this is a vaccine (laughs) so they offered me the shot so i got my first shot in january got my second shot in february i was fully covered in march no one that I knew right. had been vaccinated. So I was like all ready to go. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I was still, I still couldn't do anything. Yeah. It was a lonely two months, Kimberly. That's right. what I'm saying. <laughs> well, and then if you got it in January, then you're going to probably have to get some kind of booster coming up soon. Well, I probably, well, there's, I know that there, um, I talked when I, when I went in to get my second shot, they were, they were already starting to test the third shot for the variants and also as a booster. Okay. So that would be February, 
February to March, March to April, April to May, May to June, June to July, July to August, sometime in August, which okay. would be actually my one-year anniversary of, around my one-year anniversary of joining the, the trials. Oh, wow. um, I, they're talking about giving a booster at six months. Right. Yeah. So um, that, they were I, testing three-month boosters and six-month boosters, but they were only testing it on people who had gotten actual shots in the summer when I got oh, my okay. placebo. So you, you said you got Pfizer. So did you have side effects? Um, yeah, I did. I had not, I, um, I did have side effects. Um, I was, uh, very sleepy uh-huh. or, uh, and, uh, kind of like, like, I think you described it as feeling like you're getting the flu yeah, or just getting over yeah. the flu. That's what it felt like to me. And a very, very sore arm. Uh, yeah. the first time, the second time my arm wasn't as sore, Same. Yeah. Uh, same. but I was, but I was tired, yeah. really tired. Like I just wanted to sleep for two days. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a headache. I don't recall having a headache. I had an almost headache. Right. Like, yes. you know, I feel like I'm getting mm-hmm. a I had that but, when I was driving to get my second shot, I had the almost headache. So I thought, okay, this has nothing to do with the shot. So just in case. And I actually did. I woke up on Thursday uh, with a headache. And then it, like, I got out of bed and it kind of dissipated. And then around 1.30... That's when I started feeling like crap. But I tell you, I mean, I had two Advil and a Tylenol. That's like magic. It was fucking Mm -hmm. magic. It went from me. I mean, I was having waves of nausea and no fever or anything like that, but a little bit of chills, waves of nausea, some some body aches. It it wasn't terrible. I just didn't feel great. And then I took that those two Advil and one Tylenol because my father has been pushing that forever. And I thought, okay, I'm going to try it. And Oh my God, it was a fucking miracle. And then after mm-hmm. that, I was just tired. I was just kind of sleepy. And then it was funny because on, I think it was on Saturday. It was either on Friday. I think it was on Saturday that, you know, I mean, every day I would wake up and I would feel kind of crappy. But if I started moving around, I started feeling okay. And um, what's interesting now is, I mean, I have, I have been holed away, you know, I mean, I've been in my room and I've been working on myself. I've been working on my mental diet and doing all the manifesting stuff, which, by the way, I don't know if you heard the thing where I had manifested a $15 gift card and I actually got a $25 gift card Woohoo! that I totally <laughs> wasn't expecting. And I thought, that's so cool. Anyway, um, so, you know, and I've been planning. I want to go shopping Thursday. Next Thursday, I am fucking out the door. I'm, mm-hmm. And I'm going to go because I got it was from Designer Shoe Warehouse. It was a $25 dollar uh, gift card so I'm going to go get I want to get new sandals and I want to just buy some clothes and I want to buy some perfume and I'm just like so fucking chomping at the bit to get out but it's it's funny to me because I have been I always have been solitary and I will always be you know solitary to a degree but it's just like I am so excited to get out and 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 for a while I was feeling anxiety and now the anxiety is dissipating And yesterday it felt so amazing because I went and I started doing this as soon as I went to my mom's house where I was like, all right, I'm going to go into a store and I'm not going to freak out and feel like I have to wash my hair because I was always afraid. Like, what if a droplet lands in my hair and I touch my hair and I touch my eye and then I'm going to die? So it's like I just I'm not um, I'm not quite as nervous anymore. So it's like yesterday I went to three different places and I was so excited. And I know this is stupid, but I swear to God, I love the fucking, the the grocery store Wegmans is so awesome. It's better than Whole Foods. It's huge. Is it like Gelson's or? It's bigger. And it's just, it's just a huge grocery store. And then they have, uh, it's kind of almost like a Home Depot in its size, maybe slightly smaller, 
but it's kind of got that feel to it, but it's nice. And then, of course, like in the, you know, fall, it's always all decorated for fall. But they've got this section in the middle of the store that is just stuff, uh, home goods stuff. And like I think I mentioned, I bought and I just tested it out and I'm so excited, but it's a, a vlog kit. So it's one of those round lights. So if I have to go on somebody's podcast and I have to actually be on camera, I've got one of those round lights that will, ch- and I tested it and it really makes a huge difference. And so mm-hmm. I'm just like, yay. And it was only $15. I was so excited, but it's like, <laughs> there's all this shit. There's cups. And you know what I'm obsessed with now? I want to get those mugs that are like jar mugs, you know, those clear jar mugs. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why, but like, I'm obsessed with them. And um, I, I just want to go shopping. I just want to shop. well you know it is it is there i mean it's like we waited so one of the reasons that i joined the trial is because i got very ill in the summer uh it turned out to be a kidney infection but Mm. there was a there were probably it was probably a day and a half before the kidney symptoms manifested themselves were and i was i think i told this story too it was a saturday and we were still having trouble getting access to tests out here. Mm-hmm. And we were doing sitting in long lines, and they, you had to wait three or four days before you get tested after you're exposed, blah, blah, blah. So I went online, and I was actually symptomatic. I had a low-grade wow. fever. I had a headache. I was not feeling well. Mm-hmm. I had chills. And I go online, and I enter all those symptoms into the into the appointment scheduling and this was a Saturday afternoon and they were like can you be here in an hour (laughs) (laughs) so I was like um yeah I guess I can so I went and sat in line and got tested and then shortly thereafter uh like I came home and I realized I I had a kidney stone and that was what had been causing the problem but that was after the test but I remember laying in bed for three days thinking I spent a day and a half with preliminary symptoms Mm -hmm. Just terrified. Yeah. Terrified. We can't live like that. No. There has to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And I can't do anything. I feel helpless. And the only thing that I could do was basically to find the Pfizer website and volunteer to be a a lab rat, essentially. And um, that was in August because I had been sick in July. And I thought, and I had just started phase three, uh, the combined phase two and phase three of the trials. And I jumped right in and, and they were like, you know, and at that point, I'm telling you, Kimberly, I don't care. I didn't care what they injected me with. Seriously. (laughs) I did not care. I was like, just give me something that helped me. Let's push this forward so that there's some kind of an answer because we can't keep living like this. This was supposed to be over. And I, when I was on the phone with the guy from EDD uh, on Friday, um, he was like, why? Because I had been unemployed since November of 2019. He goes, why didn't you apply for unemployment right away? And I said, because this was supposed to be, first of all, there wasn't supposed to be a pandemic. Yeah, I was right. set up for job interviews in February. And then after February, it was only supposed to remember, remember, oh, we just need six weeks to flatten the curve. Mm-hmm. You know, and oh, where's that flat curve? Apparently, yeah. we had a hard time with flattening that curve. <laughs> You know, and then I said around May, it became apparent we weren't flattening the curve. Right, Nobody yeah. was flattening the curve. So I, um, <clears throat> that's when I applied last May for unemployment. And, you know, he, um, it, there is still some, you know, some question as to whether or not I'll get unemployment again. I don't know if I will. Hmm. I'm still waiting to hear from them. But um, 
you know, the, the fact is you, you're sitting at home yeah. helpless. Yes. Helpless. And that's the worst part is there's nothing you can do. Yeah. You know, you as one person have no control. Or oh, it's one of the reasons why getting vaccinated in February was great for me. Right. It did mean I could see my family mm-hmm. because when you're vaccinated, the odds of you transmitting the disease are much, much lower. And mm-hmm. my daughter at that time, my grandson is still too young to be vaccinated. My yeah. daughter just got her first shot. Wow. Wow. So, um, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the thing with kids not being able to be vaccinated. Like, I think, you know, it's just my, my little niece was so sweet when I said, oh, I can't wait to see you. And I got vaccinated and we're, we're safe. And she's like, I'm not safe because I'm not vaccinated. And I was like, yeah, oh, my God. I think that will. I, I know that's so sad. My grandson, you know, their kids are like too aware of this. Yeah. You know, my grandson doesn't want to get vaccinated because then he knows he'll have to go back to school and he doesn't want to go back to class. I'm like, ah, yeah, nice try there, but That would have been me. He'll be 10, he'll be 10 in July. He's not stupid. <laughs> he's no fool. That is um, hilarious. But he's, uh, he, uh, well, and I think he likes, you know, Savannah's been working from home mm-hmm. and um, I think he just kind of likes sort of being with his mom all day. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's nine and, you know, he's very bonded with her and yeah. very close to her. He likes being at home all day. He's a homebody. Yeah. And, um, you know, but I, I really believe that they'll drop the, once they do some testing yeah. on the kids 12 to 16 and realize that it's safe, they'll drop it down to all school age. I, I right. suspect that school age children will be vaccinated before they start back to school in September. Yeah. Um, but, but here's the issue. And this is true. Um, the fact is that when you're vaccinated, yes, you can still get the virus. Yes, you can even still transmit the virus. The odds are much lower Mm -hmm. because transmission relies on viral load. Yeah. This is the problem with children. Yeah. They're fucking disease vectors. It's not their fault. Right. It's just how their immune systems work. I was a preschool teacher for 18 months. I was literally (laughs) sick for 18 months because... Their little immune systems are working overtime, and even if their symptoms are, are moderated, right. they're producing all kinds of viral load and coughing them. I, mean, I will. I have said to this day, a three-year-old cannot throw a ball for shit, but they will cough and get it in your <laughs> mouth every fucking time. And there you, you know, there you are. Now I had like literally cold on top of cold yeah. on top of cold because there's something like 197 cold viruses. Yeah. Um, and I was like literally infected with more than one at a time right. and um and weird like cops i had two different versions of coxsackie and it oh was all God. because of contact of children yeah we can't put teachers in front of children until yeah. we vaccinate those children mm-hmm. it is not fair mm-hmm. so and i you know the other part of it too is i was uh i was watching a tiktok video of a teacher who is still wearing her mask but because they've lifted the mask mandate, children are coming to her class unmasked. Right. And she's now got the flu. <sighs> and, you know, she's got the flu now. Yeah. Just, I mean, regular flu, not COVID. Right, right, right. right. Um, but still, it's like, this is what happened. You yeah. know, one of the reasons I intend on wearing a mask for a while is because nobody got a flu shot this year. Well, actually, Those I people- did. The funny thing was I, or I went, got, got it last year. Um, but the reason I got it was because, and my mother got it too, but I, I was going to go stay with her in the fall. And mm-hmm. I just thought, well, you know, I don't want to risk it. I, I don't know that I would have gotten the flu shot outside of that. But I thought, well, since I have to be with her, I don't want to get the flu and, right. you know, be stuck when, when she needs help. 
And so fuck it, I'm just going to get it. I don't get the flu shot every year, although I've been getting it um, ever since I've moved here just because I am dealing with older parents. And yes, they are getting the shot too. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just want to be on the safe side. And it's just, I just, I don't know what I'm going to do moving forward. Like, I don't know, maybe I will be wearing a mask when it's time to go grocery shopping when cold and flu season hits just because well, listen, they you know, do it in they do it in Singapore yeah, every year I know. they do it in Tokyo every mm-hmm. year in Kyoto and and it absolutely minimizes transmission yeah. they don't have the same kind of flu and cold seasons that we have here mm-hmm. and by the way let's just say here's the thing it's a, so, oh, fine it's a personal choice the right. problem is is that everybody like the point of me telling the story of the teacher was she was masked and the students were not and right. she still got sick right and that's that's the problem is when you mask, you show that you, like, if you're sick, and you, this is what happens a lot of times, is people will exhibit symptoms of cold and flu in, say, Singapore or Kyoto or Tokyo or whatever, and they'll put on a mask because they know that they're, right. they might be coming down with something or someone in their household is sick. So they are limiting the amount of virus that they are transmitting. Mm-hmm. I think that's – and it's because – Asian culture is much more community oriented. Yeah. They're much more oriented to being polite, being mm-hmm. personable, yeah, being and caring about fellow kind. human beings. We are yeah. not. No. No, and you know, I mean the thing is is you can obviously you can get the flu or a cold, you know, because somebody sneezes and then it gets into your eyes. It's not right. just your nose and your mouth. It can get into your eyes because you've got those droplets floating in the air. So, yeah, but I mean, I think you have a little extra protection if you're wearing a mask. And that's why I'm not sure. I, I, I have to say, I, I have talked about this before, too, that I, I am such a strong believer because it's been proven to me that taking odorless garlic has really helped. Because, I mean, I used to be a smoker and I know that when I was smoking, I was obviously more prone to getting sick. And it was interesting because it started first. I used to get these white things all over my throat when I was, say, in my 20s, but it was not strep throat. And I and I figured it out because I there was this one particular time I got the white things on my throat and I was given, you know, 10 days of antibiotics, took those 10 days on the 11, 12 day, whatever white things all over my throat. My throat wasn't sore. I didn't have a fever. I wasn't sick. I just had white things on my throat. And so um I knew it wasn't strep throat and I, and so I went and I talked to somebody at a vitamin store and they told me about echinacea. And so at the time I figured out how to use echinacea over the course of many years, I came to the conclusion that what worked for me and I don't care what science says. And if this is um, placebo, I don't care because it made, I used to go from getting anywhere from four to six colds a year to maybe one to two colds a year by around probably the beginning of September, I would take one echinacea pill in the morning and one at dinner. And then I would amp it up as cold and flu season got worse. I would take, you know, two in the morning and two at dinner. And then as cold and flu season started to dissipate, I would reduce the amount that I took. And I mean, I was only getting one to two colds a year. Now that's when I was a smoker. And then um, after, I remember there was this one particular I think it was 2014 or something. Um, Oh my God, it was a terrible, terrible cold going around. That was like a chest cold. And I had to use an inhaler. So did my mother. I've never had to use an inhaler before. And Mm -hmm. that was the last time that I got sick. So it was like 2014. And in that time, I have found 
that I have been around people with fevers and normally I catch it. I fucking catch mm-hmm. it. And I would take, you know, maybe every three to four hours I would take, and it's, I think it's called nature's bounty or whatever. It's in a green bottle and they're gel caps. I would take three to four of those, um, you know, odorless garlic. You could take them on an empty stomach. You never get any, you don't taste it. Other pills you do, but this mm-hmm. particular brand you don't. And oh my God, it's like a fucking miracle. Both my, my parents were sick at the same time with, uh, fevers didn't catch it bob was really ill with a fever i took care of him didn't catch it and it's like so i'm gonna keep doing my garlic and mm-hmm. zinc is really good if you catch a cold but i mean i've i haven't even caught colds i caught one cold when i first moved here actually i forgot about that one cold and you know i mean i was totally on it with the garlic after it came on and uh i was able it was just basically my symptoms with that with zinc just my symptoms weren't so terrible. So I'm just going to keep doing that. And then I might add the, the mask into it because just what the fuck, what difference does it make? And I don't care what people think of me. And you know, it's so funny because some people, I don't wear any makeup when I go to the store. I don't care. But some people are like, well, I, I want to keep wearing my mask because I don't want to put makeup on. (laughs) And then, you know, if you get a big zit, it's great. Your mask hides it. And you don't have to worry. So it's like there's well, so many and pros. Also, you know, I've often said that it does allow you to mutter, uh, mutter curses and incantations totally. against, <laughs> against my enemies behind your mask. You know, um, and also, listen, you're concerned that the government is trying to track you. Mask <laughs> or facial recognition program. I'm just there. I'm you just go. Putting it out there. If you're if you're absolutely fascinated by the idea that you, you want to avoid government tracking, um, you know, wear a mask. Wear a mask. <laughs> the government can't track you on facial recognition because of masks. Yeah. There um, you go. You know, See, it's so I, beneficial. There's two million and five good reasons yeah. to wear masks. Right now, you know, there's fires going on mm-hmm. in um, in around Pacific Palisades up through Topanga yeah. Canyon. So we're getting, you know, if the wind is blowing the right way, we get smoke. Um, I think the wind yeah. has changed. I don't haven't smelled anything today, but you know, yeah. all of, there's a million and five good reasons to wear yeah. a mask. Um, mostly, and also because uh, you know, then you don't have to put lipstick on. And exactly, just, that makes me happy. Well, and it's so. it's just such a shame that it had to be politicized because it's like this is definitely about public health. It's safety. It's not this fucking Scott Bayo and Ricky Schroeders of the world acting like. Oh my God! Did you saw that Ricky Schroeder video? Didn't you? Oh yeah, that Such was a jerk. heinous. And uh, you know, it's like, you know, there's a. Um, it just, I, I'm just, you know, I, I have enough with him. Enough with all <laughs> of these washed-up child stars that just. Fucking Scott Bayo is such a piece of shit. Oh, my God, I hate that guy. So, I, you know, I I know I already said it on my uh, patrons-only show, but I worked on Diagnosis Murder as an extra. And, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, he was such a jerk. He he was Mm -hmm. such a jerk. It was like, you know, I mean, I was on sets with a lot of different actors. And Mm -hmm. I've met some asshole actors. But I think he takes the cake. He was so in love with himself. And he was... He was the kind of guy that was like demanded that everyone bow to him. And I just immediately hated him. And then, you know, it's funny because his, okay, so the girl, Nicole Eggert, who was on Charles in Charge, is basically saying that he sexually assaulted her on the show. And it's interesting because her mother was my commercial agent. And I always, I, I think, I think I might have seen Nicole. She might have been in there one day when I went in. I don't know. But I always think about that. 
I always think she didn't. She said she didn't say anything to preserve the show. But do I think he's capable of that? A hundred fucking percent. Yes, I think he's right. totally capable because of the entitlement that I saw coming off of him. And, well, and we should ugh. think about the, the trajectory of his career that he was yeah. like literally plucked from obscurity yeah. to be in a movie with Jodie Foster. Right. Uh, and he was lit. Uh, he's never had a day of training in his life. He's never had, you know, it's like from that point on. Wah, wah, wah. On, That's his big thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just based on his looks, you know, based on the fact that he had a look to yeah, him, you know, because right. um, I don't think he's that good looking. No, but, he's not. You know, he he kind of created this career out of whole cloth that doesn't yeah. really, that never really went anywhere. No. I mean, once Charles and Charles was over, you know. Yeah. There's really nothing like Kirk Cameron. What the fuck did he do? Just a bunch of Christian movies. <laughs> As yeah. he r- runs around spouting his bullshit, quiverful, oh my God, I just, I can't stand him. I can't stand any of those people. And yeah, those child stars, it's, it's sad because they do, I can't even, oh, you know, the, going back to that though, you're talking about the movie Foxes and it was so funny because I mentioned that movie to my mother and she didn't, she had never seen it. Have you seen it? Which one? Foxes. The one you said that. Oh yeah. Yeah. With no, Scott no, Bale. no. The, the movie I was talking about with the, with Jodie Foster was the, uh, was the musical, the uh, Bugsy Malone. Oh, Bugsy Malone, that's right. And then yeah. years later, fuck, I forgot, I loved Bugsy Malone. But then years later, there was Foxes. With Joan Jett, uh, was it not Joan Jett? No, no, was it, it Joan wasn't Joan Jett. Jett. It was, it, I don't know what her name was, but she had... Um, Sheree Adams. Sh- yes. Sheree. It was the, the pop rock, the woman's, the what rocker, the right. rocker chick. Yeah. Yes, and uh, and then, oh God, and so there was, another, there was four girls, mm-hmm. and these girls remind me of... You know, when I was probably 10, I was checking out these girls who were maybe 16, 17, 18. And I was mm-hmm. so enamored of them. They were kind of edgy and they, they had sex and they probably and they smoked cigarettes. And, um, you know, it was funny because I told my mom, I said, it's such it's a terrible movie, but it's mm-hmm. fucking awesome at the same time because it's right. so 70s. And, um you know, and I told her, because she had never seen it, and I said, all you have to do is watch the trailer. And we found the trailer, and fucking Randy Quaid is in it, and he's so gross. And it's just, it's so fucking, it, and Sally Kellerman is in it. And mm-hmm. uh, it's so bad that it's good. And I just, like, now I want to watch it again, because it's just, it's so cheesy. But it's really, I knew girls who would have hung around with that crowd. I wasn't mm-hmm. old enough at that point. I would have hung around that with the, with the crowd of those girls, hundred um, you know. percent. Well, you know, those girls are my age. Yeah. Those girls, and it was actually, I just looked it up, it was Cherie Curry. Okay. Because she was in a band with Joan Jett. That's what. Oh, what okay. Did. And then didn't she do that cherry cherry bomb or something? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And um, she, uh, but, but yeah, so it was, you know, and it was, if you look at the cast and look at, and it was actually came out in 1980. So it was kind of like the launching right. of that, that weird kind of, uh, <laughs> You know, girls who smoke. Yeah, and like it was kind of on the border between um, girls sort of finding themselves, like a girl coming of age, but also with the aspect of slut shaming. Yeah, because there you go. You know, yes. you, to, you can't make a movie in the eighties 
about girls who have sex unless you slut shame. Exactly. Um, and it, it just—it's <laughs> so crazy, you know. But the, but yeah, that was actually his second movie with Jodie right. Foster. Right. Yes. 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 I forgot. I forgot the... about that. Was and I loved Bugsy Malone. I loved that fucking I, movie. I did too. But that's where they found him. Like yeah. they literally went around to to public high school to public schools and high schools elementary and yeah. junior high uh, and pick out these kids from obscurity and put them in the movie not just like all the kids that are right. like extras and backup yeah. and singing you know and the floor the like the floor I, I actually have to watch that movie again the little <laughs> dancers yes that, oh, so darling um but they picked them out of public schools and put them in this movie and that's how scott Vale got his career wow. he was not yeah anything he was wow. never planning on being an actor, yeah. and he has never worked a day in his life in terms of becoming a better actor right. or a better at his craft. You know, it's always just sort of been relying on, uh, you know, this mm -hmm. this idea that he and and I I can understand why that. And the same thing is true of Ricky Schroeder, by mm -hmm. the way. He got wow. picked up as a child as a baby actor to be in this because he looked like John Boyd, right? You know, and that's what they needed. They needed a child that looked like he could be John Boyd's son, hmm. and. And, you know, and the the weird and bad thing about it is to see also that it gets the more he looks like Don Boyd. It's not attractive. It's not a good look. Oh <laughs> I never thought John Boyd was that good looking. But, no. And it's you know, really that, sad because he, he's a good actor. I do not like that man. But one of my all-time favorite movies is Coming Home with Jane Fonda. And right. have you seen that movie? It is. It's, it is. Oh, my it, God. He's deeply moving. He's a very good actor. Oh, my God. He's, he's amazing. In Midnight Cowboy, he was amazing. Mm -hmm. But he's just and fucking wacky. And he's actually really, he is a good actor, and, and I do, but he's a, such a pain in the ass. Oh, yeah, he's know, terrible. Honestly. And I can't even imagine what it must be like for Angelina. But, you know, I mean, I that movie coming home, oh, my God. It's just, it's so good. It's so moving. And I remember seeing it as a little kid and being moved, and then, of course, and as, an, as an adult, um, continually, I mean, it's like, I, it's just amazing. And it's too bad that he can't, you know, he played that character. And mm -hmm. he can't, I don't know, he's a MAGA person. I don't know, so is Kirstie Alley and all these fucking people. I don't understand. It's just so weird. I don't get it. But you know what? Half the country, or maybe not half the country, but a good portion of the country has been sucked into this this whole fucking craziness. And I don't know what we're going to do. I, I just hope every day, it's like, I don't want to have to move to Canada. <laughs> well, I don't either. But, you know, here's the thing is I'm prepared to, you know, I'm prepared to go wherever I need to go to, to you know, to survive. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I know people are always talking about fighting for their country. Mm -hmm. You know, if my country doesn't, I mean, here's the thing. It's like if my country wants to take this path, I can't stop it. You know, I honestly, yeah. if, if we're, I don't see that happening just to be perfectly honest i don't really see that we're headed now that path but it's you know i think that this is a wake-up call i yes, think the fact that we all ended up huddled in our little mm -hmm. cubby holes you know it's changed it's changing a lot about how this country works we just don't know what that looks like yet and yeah. that's where a lot of this anxiety comes from like part of it could be good you know the fact that this relief bill was passed um that seems to be pulling a lot of people out of poverty. You know, people like I was reading this big, long Twitter feed. Uh, I, I think her name is Stephanie Williams. I can't remember. I have to look it up. But um, she basically um, she was talking about why 
food servers aren't willing to go back to food service. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's because they're tired of being abused for minimum wage. And they're not going back to that Mm -hmm. because they don't have to, you know. And none of us really has to, like, I don't want to go back into another office experience like my past office experience where people just basically thought they could treat you like shit and get away with it. Yes. Um, Why would I want to go back to that? Why would I put myself back in that position when I didn't have to do that? And, and I, you know, I just really feel like this is where we're changing Mm -hmm. is that we've decided Mm -hmm. that we don't have to do that anymore. Now, what that's going to look like None right, of us right. knows. You know, what does that mean when we give up those jobs and we move on to other things? Yeah. This country is on an edge, a razor's it edge, is, and it could fall either way. And I don't know <sighs> what that means exactly. Neither do I, but, um, you know, just going to keep going for that hopeful thought. I, and, you know, I am literally like at my front door, just waiting, just like I want to run. I want to run to the mall. I want to run. And you know what I want to buy? <laughs> I want to buy. Um, it used to be called Calix by prescriptives. Now I think it's Calix by, um, what is it? Clinique. Clinique. I don't know if you are familiar with that perfume, but mm-hmm. I get like, I, 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 Bob bought me a bottle of it like in the first year we were together. So I, and then I went through it and then I haven't had it now for several years. So I have like, I'm so desperate. I want to go buy that. <laughs> I want to go buy, I want to go buy so many fucking things. And it's not like I have this huge budget, but I am, what I am going to do, and this is where we're going to end it because we're at an hour and a half and we're coming in right when I wanted to. Um, Yay. I, I'm going, I'm literally going to manifest. Be- and I say this because I have a hard time buying clothes, even when I'm feeling thin and great. And I'm, I'm in the process of losing weight now. And yes, it's happening. It's for sure for real happening. And it feels amazing. It's slow. But it's mm-hmm. like, finally, when you put the effort in and you see results, I hated putting right. the effort in and then gaining weight. Oh my God, that made me angry. So I'm seeing the results and I just, I'm just going to visualize that when I go to the store, I'm literally going to like lay down, relax my body. I'm going to visualize myself getting in the car, getting, you know, getting in the parking lot, going into the mall. Oh my God. And finding this shirt that I love and this one that I love and these shoes that fit me well. And I'm just going to visualize it because I, the last couple of times that I have gone shopping, have been very upsetting for me. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like not fun experiences. And I used to go shopping all the fucking time. And so it's like, I'm just going to visualize that it's all going to be great. And I'm going to find clothes that are flattering and make me happy. And I just, I'm like, I can't even tell you how excited I am to fucking go to a mall. I just can't even believe it. I spent I my life should, in a mall. I think you should, honestly, I have, I, I think you should just like, film it or take pictures of yourself always, and just like post them somewhere because I, I'm happy for you because I know how anxious you've been I've been a little less anxious and I haven't shopped but but getting things through the mail at this right, point just yeah. my body just make me unhappy to look at right now yeah but um yeah no I I completely get where you're coming from <laughs> and um I also uh I'm just really I, I'm looking forward to mostly mostly what I look forward to is just being able to like go to barbecues and stuff like that. Like yeah. that's the, just being able to hang with just friends. Have some friends. Like, yeah, I know. It's like, it's going to be amazing to just get back out in the world. And you know what? I remember last year at some point, I even posted this. I was driving somewhere, you know, I was picking up a prescription, whatever I was doing. And there was a song on the radio that was say from the eighties. And so what I did in my mind was I pretended that I was at that time when it was much happier and there was no virus and there was no Trump. And, 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 and I, we were like so stuck 
in this, I don't know, prison of COVID and Trump. And, and so it was like, okay, well, when I'm listening to this 1980s song, I'm right back in the 80s. And, I'm, and, and I would do that. Every time I would listen to the radio, I would put myself in the era of whatever time that song was popular because whatever time it was, COVID wasn't happening and Trump was the, wasn't the president. And so now it's like, oh, my God. OK, so we've got Biden and we're getting, you know, we're getting close to a, a, a country that feels comfortable going out and, and doing normal things. And it's, it's almost amazing to me. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, what was commonplace and every day before is now amazing. And so I know it'll wear off. We'll get back to our normal thing and it'll, it'll feel normal and it won't be so amazing anymore. But anybody who's lived through this is going to always appreciate it that much more just because you're not taking it. You know, I'm never going to take it for granted again. Uh, mm-hmm. when, when, a, when a dead, you know, that there's not a deadly virus going on. I mean, yes, you can die from the flu. Yes, you can get hit by a car and die and all that shit. But when there's this deadly virus floating around and you can't fucking do anything, boy, I am going to really appreciate the fact that I can move well, forward. Well, one of the things I'm hoping for, too, is that we finally see the big picture that this didn't have to be this way. Yes. The reason this was allowed to run unchecked is because it was immediately politicized. Yep. And, and it was being handled by an incompetence. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that Biden's only been in office for how many days? <laughs> yeah. Like 120 days? Right, yeah. And he's already, already the virus is coming under control. Yeah. That when you have people who are at the very least just competent yeah. at their jobs, they don't even have to excel at their jobs. Exactly. Just to be competent, <laughs> you know? That government runs a lot better. This is my idea. This whole concept of hiring unprofessionals to do professional jobs in politics is crazy. It is. Politics is a job, and it requires a skill set. And if we keep hiring reality talk show hosts (laughs) and failed businessmen and all of this stuff to do that job, we are asking trouble the other thing now just for a quick second to go back to manifestation ever since we talked the last time about like opening the jar like Uh thinking uh yeah open the jar easily that has worked for me i know every freaking time (laughs) i I swear to god (laughs) me too (laughs) so speaking so just to tie it all together (laughs) if i can manifest opening jars every freaking time we can manifest like a better world where People in charge know what they're doing. Just yes. know the basics. Absolutely. And just in case, if you don't know that story, real quick, this woman, uh, there's this woman who talks about manifesting on YouTube and she, she couldn't get something open. And I had something that I could not open. Bob couldn't open it. He said we'd need a tool to open mm-hmm. it. And, you know, you basically what you do is you just close your eyes and you visualize yourself easily opening whatever and then do it. And watch what happens. I swear to God, I've, I've been doing it now. There have been a couple of times when I've gone grocery shopping or whatever it is, and I'm trying to open something, and it's, it hurts. I'm like, ow. Mm-hmm. And then I go, oh, yeah, wait a minute. And I close my eyes, and I do, and then it fucking comes right off. It's crazy. Doesn't it? <laughs> it's crazy. It is insane. I, and it works every time for me. And I even have, I'm older, so I have a little bit of arthritis in my hands. Yeah. And it works, still works every single time. Oh, my God. That's Anyways, so cool. So. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, let's let's get into the finding. Where does everybody find you before we go? Where, where can they oh. find you okay well my twitter account is amanda so um and uh, uh you know and then uh, my patreon is ca sowards 
all one word. And I promise right now, my <laughs> right now, my levels are all weird. I think I'm going to take a page out of the Kimberly Johnson uh, handbook and just make all my levels, you know, all the same. Yeah. You know, everybody has the same access and it's just as generous and kind and giving. So don't pay attention to the levels right now because they'll be changing. But my Patreon <laughs> is D.A. Sowers and my Twitter account is is Amanda So. Awesome. And then you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. And then, uh, of course, all my books are on Amazon. So don't forget, everybody, um, if you like the show, please go to the iTunes app slash Apple podcast store. Give me a rating and a review. I could really use it. And thank you, Amanda. This has been fun. Thank you. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye.